I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supple with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and Lucas Hedges doesn't know how lucky he is. And I'm Bloodwin Pugh. (laughs) (laughs) But I I also deeply agree with you. He has no idea how lucky he is. Watching it again, I was just like... This is it. This is this is my make a wish wish. Should it ever come oh to this? God. <laughs> There's so many elements of this movie. I mean, not, besides just the three actresses, just like to be on a boat with them and to just spend as much time as I obviously think that he knows how lucky he, uh, fortunate he is, really. I guess yeah. to to share the screen with these three like goddesses. I just like can't get over it. I know. No, of course the the. The boat would like you to refer to it as a ship. Of course, that's I. Oh, that's yeah. Right. They want oh my goodness. They want you to call it a ship. They don't want you to call yes. it a cruise. They want you to call it a crossing. I, I, it's it, so I, true, Colin. Now that is. I mean, we are of course obviously here to talk about. Let them all talk. Let's talk about. Let's let's let them all talk. You know. That's yes. Uh, that's what I was going to call the name of this episode. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the, I think the more important question to start with before we talk about let them all talk is, have you ever been on a ship or a cruise as the case may be? Yeah, I have not, unfortunately. So I have nothing to contribute to this. I've heard great things. I feel like there are pros and cons as far as like people who I've talked about cruises with who have been on them um depending of course on which cruise line you decide but uh i have not yet yeah, same how about you i have not oh, okay. no <laughs> so i there's nothing no here. so i yeah i have nothing to contribute either i don't know why i asked but uh no 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 i was gonna ask you yeah. <laughs> uh but but i have never been on a cruise i've been curious and what stopped me is a i do get seasick and i know people say oh you don't really Ooh. feel it but there's nothing like getting to the middle of the atlantic ocean and being like oh no you can feel it. Uh, and yeah, I also, and I know that there's a lot of different cruise lines and a lot of different, you know, you could be on the Queen Mary 2, you could be on the Atlantis Gay Cruise, you would think the Atlantis Gay Cruise would be called the Queen Mary 2, don't be confused. I know, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> right? But um, I just feel like in general, and with a lot of cruises, people, some people will say, oh, there's kind of a cruise culture that you... It, yes. you would want to be a part of if you were on the ship, uh, which I think is a really PC way of saying, like, there's just a certain type of person who goes on a cruise. Yes, I feel like it's very similar to, like, casino culture. Yes, that's a that's a yeah. good comparison. Like, yeah. that there's, there's probably, like, a wide spectrum of people, but, like, in terms of frequency and volume, there's a, there's a type. Yeah, I... 
to build on this like cruise like hypothetically i guess what would your because there are so many cruises for so many different um i fandom is the first one that comes to mind but mm. like um interests i guess like what would your cruise what would your themed cruise of choice be colin it's a heavy question yeah i mean i suppose best supporting actresses is probably the top of the list <laughs> obviously i i want to be on the you know the the bsa mary too but i think you know in terms of real cruises because that one doesn't exist yet except in my mind and my dreams but i am i am i have been fascinated i don't think i'll ever do it but I'm very mm-hmm. fascinated by gay cruises. I guess, yes. you know, part of it was I remember watching the MTV True Life. I went on a gay cruise, like, in high school. I remember oh, wow. I remember taping that on a VHS, like, in the basement. And then, like, watching it with, like, the volume at, like, three, you know. And it's just <laughs> yeah. absorbing every, like, micro moment of it. But, uh so that's pretty much the most I know about gay cruises. What I've heard is it's yeah, obviously a lot of partying, a lot of drugs. I suppose it's, you know, it depends on what you're into, but sure. I, I think if I was going to do it, here's what I think. If I was going to do a cruise, me now, who's never been on a cruise, I would probably do something that was gay and three days. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, just in case. Just in case. It turns out to not be, but, uh, and I, and if it, it's great, then you do it next year for, right. you know, a week. Right. Yeah. Right. But I feel like if I'm going to go on the cruise, I might as well go on the gay cruise. Like, why beat around the bush? It's what I'm, yeah. you know, like, I, there's going to be a cross section of best supporting actress interest on the gay cruise, you know? Yeah. Somewhere. I, you yeah. know, yeah, that really isn't, I mean, I guess we just have to create it. I feel like, my answer to that question, the first thing that came to mind is just, you know, listening to old episodes of Lady Watch and just like the idea of having, you know, a Lady Watch cruise, like just of uh, like all of them. <laughs> if somehow they could get every single woman that was on Lady Watch on a cruise ship um, by some miracle, that would be yeah. that would be it. Yeah, the, the the SS Barbara Cook. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they do have it always makes me think of the the ads in the in the playbill um for like the Broadway at sea. And it always has like yes. Tom, oh I would do that. Tommy Toons yeah. always on there. Oh, of course. Christine yes, Ebersol's over there, yeah. Zedetsky. Christine Baranski oh, probably. Absolutely, absolutely. I feel like um you know, Mary Testa when she can, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Patty, if they can oh, get her, Patty, you know. she's on like a, she goes on, she's a three days and gay kind of cruise lady, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess uh, realistically though, yeah, Broadway, Broadway um, sounds great. Mm-hmm. I would also do like, if there's some sort of, I don't even know if this exists, some sort of like food network cruise or something. Ooh. Any way to get closer to, to Ina Garden. Yeah. I don't know if she'd be on that cruise, but um, I'll, I'll take the gamble. Oh, can you imagine uh, that you like, you get to have like a brunch with stop. Ida? Ida? Oh my God. Oh my god I called her ida ida garden it's yeah <laughs> ida. that's keon says that sometimes he <laughs> yeah. used to call her ida just like he says jennifer gardner say, and what was the what other was one the there was another one week. yeah oh well what did we talk about last week what was the what was our topic last week i don't even remember what did we talk about i don't remember week? what do we have a happiest season um I don't know, Keon. What's that name you say incorrectly? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, yeah, he'll be mad. And I remember he said it was like Mick something, McCartney or something like that. But I can't. Melissa McCartney. Oh, Melissa McCartney. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> You're never gonna God. live it down now, Keon. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Sorry about it. Um, but yeah, that's those are the cruises that I would that I would be on. It's it, in theory, like especially after watching this movie, like it looks fabulous. But I I know that like the cruise that these 
three women and Lucas Hedges, well, I guess four women, really, uh, mm. in our movie, um, is is probably really expensive. It costs a pretty penny to to have that much of a luxury like bedroom. From what I hear, like mm. you just get like a square with a bed in it, you know, you right? Know, sometimes and it costs extra to be by like at a window, which is like the size of a dinner plate. Right? You know? Can you imagine? Like, I that's the other thing about cruises is that like. It is, a, I think, the Queen Mary 2 looks really expensive. And there are others. Like, I've looked a little bit. The gay cruises are super expensive, but I think that's, like, the pink dollar. It's just everything's inflated. But, like, sure, even, like, you know, a standard, like, you know, just Caribbean six-day whatever, I feel yeah. like, you know, you could get a pretty good deal, but you end up with, like, yeah, you end up with this little, like you know, this little box with a little window. And I just feel like, and like, I, I, I just feel like a shower that the toilet is also in. Like, I just, it seems to me that if you're going to do it, that you got to, you got to do it. Yeah. You got to do it. You might not yeah. have like Merrill's duplex, but like, you got to, you got to have the toilet separate from the shower. Yeah. The balcony was a nice touch. Mm. I wouldn't, I would love the balcony. Well, I think that would be cool. That's, I mean, I got to tell you, that's the other thing. I think if I was on a cruise. Oh, but you would have a heart I'd attack, I'd have a right? heart attack. I'd have a <laughs> right. heart attack. I would, uh, I would, I would never go out on that. It'd be a waste. I might as well have the room with the porthole window for as much as I was, yes. I would use the balcony. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I guess that wouldn't be number one on your list. <laughs> yeah. Even, even when they would like go for walks out on like the deck, I was like, there is way l- too little between you and the ocean right now. Yeah. You know, right? like there is something about that. Yeah. Like, e- like I can't, like when people are, if they're standing on even like a balcony ledge, but even I feel like it happens in this movie, if if they're standing over the water and they're holding their phone, I'm like, what are you doing? <gasps> yeah, don't even. What are you doing? Game. Like, nope. don't, you know, my palms are sweating. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Sometimes if I'm peeing, I'll be on my phone and I feel that's a game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. I'm like, you shouldn't be doing this. Put your phone <laughs> down. But it's sick. I just, you know, I have to watch Mr. Milo the Chonk on uh, TikTok. I can't. Oh, Milo the Chonk is one of my favorites. Oh, he's a queen. Yeah. He's really cute. Uh, a BSA of the week, if you will. But yeah. uh, but I don't want to jump the gun on BSA of the week because we, uh, we have a movie to talk about today that yeah. I, I, I'll say, okay, I'll say two things for one thing first. Normally, gentle listeners, we record in the mornings. We record at yes. like 8 a.m. And, you know, my brain is usually, you know, just doing a continental breakfast at that point. So you get what you get. Yeah. But um, we are recording this in the evening after a long day of work. So I've had a drink and uh, I think it's only going to enhance the conversation, frankly. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, because I think I, the more I've watched this movie and subsequently the more I've drank while watching it, the more I've really appreciated Let Them All Talk. Yeah, it is a movie that, first of all, cheers. I'm drinking a cup of coffee because I'm 90 years old. Well, there you go. You know, just a, I had dinner and I had to have coffee. Yeah, just, just a, how it goes you know, here. Casual Folgers, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Some Sanka. Mm. Um, Instant, yeah. Uh, but um, but it, this is a movie that you, uh, it's not that you almost have to watch but you twice, but you should watch twice. Because yeah. there is, I mean, there's there's a big spoiler that we will... I feel like we have to talk about it later, but we won't say it now. So anyone who hasn't seen it can like listen to the majority of this podcast and then yeah. turn it off, I guess, at a certain spot. Yeah. Um, but 
it's it, it, that's one of the reasons just going back and looking at it through like everyone's eyes again knowing what you know about it or what's about to, what does happen at the end um but there oh gosh i i really enjoyed this movie i do not know how to categorize it at all mm. the trailer made it look like it was it's not how would you put this in the words it's, like what genre yeah is this? well it's not book club on a boat i know that because that's what i was expecting i thought it was going to be a bit of a a romp um, from the trailer. Same. Uh, Same. I mean, this to me, it it felt like, well, you know, here's the thing is I feel like this movie and the things that I love about it, it's like a sum of its parts because I think a lot of this movie is about the fact that it was all filmed on this cruise and, and, yes. and or this crossing, if you will, uh, and, <laughs> and, and showcasing, you know, just kind of like this experience and feeling like you're on this, having this experience in the Queen Mary too. I think some of it, or actually for me, a huge part of it. And I wonder if you, cause I had to find this, you probably know this, that most of this movie, most of the dialogue is improvised. Colin, I like screamed oh, when I found that. Oh out. my god! I was like, because that was the whole like as Keon and I were watching it, we're like, this is so, like these actresses are incredible. Yeah, because they are they are speaking, they are saying this text exactly as how it should be. It's conversational. It was like watching almost like a documentary. Yeah, and then it makes perfect sense. Yeah. that this was improvised. Oh, it was like the goopery of realizing and then being like oh like not only oh god does that make so much sense from the way the dialogue played out but yes, like yes oh so now you're telling me that meryl candy and the weast are co-writers of these scenes yeah to say nothing of lucas hedges and Gemma chan i mean like it's that blew my mind so like that to your point of like re-watching this movie i guess if you if you watched it not knowing it was all improvised watching it again that was what I appreciated was watching, especially Meryl and Candace Bergen and Diane Weist, the Weist, if you will, you know, improvising together and being like, I can't believe I'm watching these three like legendary actresses improvising right now. You know, like, I know. Are you kidding me? Um, but it, it was like, those were the things that I loved about it. And there's these scenes and these moments and these shots. The overall story, the overall narrative was like secondary to me. It almost felt like yeah. it was there to just give us all this other stuff, you know? Yeah, it's like they had to tell some story, but really it's like watching. It's about relationships and friendships and like the complexity of that and like, gosh, like falling out sort yeah. of friendships between Candace and, and Meryl too. Oh, there's so much to like dig into. At first I was like, what are we going to talk about? Because it does seem... But like you're right, it's not necessarily talking about the plot. It's just talking about like how these people relate to each other and the story that like you kind of have to put together yourself, which mm -hmm. I love. Like I, I didn't. They don't really outwardly tell you what happened between Meryl and, but they do in a way too. I think you know, there's a scene with Diane Weist and Candace Bergen where they're talking about essentially, from what we gather, Meryl had a conversation with Candace Bergen like 35 years ago or something mm -hmm. <laughs> at a bar. And I, from what I can gather, this is my interpretation of it. She told Meryl that she was cheating on her husband. That's, that's the story that I'm making up in my mind. Yeah. Then she published a book that basically wrote that story and ruined Candace Bergen's marriage and essentially kind of bankrupted her almost. And like, it took everything from her. And now she's working at a, uh, you know, almost like an upscale Victoria's Secret type place. Yeah, yeah, department and store, yeah. Yeah, oof. Yeah, 
She's at a um, Bolton's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a Boscov's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know Boscov's. I do. My mom loved Boscov's. Oh, Bos- you got to go to Boscov's. <laughs> I love all of those like '90s department yeah. store names. A, oh, a Bonton, you know. Oh, the Bonton. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. God. Oh, it's great. But yeah, I think I think what you're saying. I think that's exactly what it was. Was that. Uh, Roberta confided confided in Alice everything that had happened. You know, she had an affair with a mechanic or whoever. That that comes yeah. up in her conversation with uh, with Susan. But and then yeah, it it sounds like then her husband, who was very rich, had divorced her and kind of used all that as evidence that she didn't, you know, deserve uh, alimony yeah. or whatever. Um, and it took me a bit to put that together. Oh yeah, and, it took me a long bit, and and like <laughs> to kind of reckon with like, huh? Does this feel like an overreaction? Is this true? Like, what is this? But I think it was. I, then I just started to care less and less about that because what I was more interested in was the fact that like, yeah, these women had known each other for so many years, hadn't seen each other in thirty five years, and there was this like, not only was there this brewing tension with Roberta, but there was just that thing of like we've we've started to grow out of each other and like we don't really have much in common and and alice has changed and when did she start talking like that and Mm -hmm. it's you know it's definitely it's something that i have like that really stuck with me and and i've i've kind of been thinking a lot about that now in my life even like way younger than them you know thinking about like people who i've even especially during this you know this year who you know because we're all just kind of going through this weird thing i've I've kind of lost touch with, you know, and like people over mm-hmm. the years that I've just like lost touch with who at one point were like my people. And I think, you know, we'll talk about it, but but like when they get to that scene between Alice and Roberta in the bedroom of the inn, you know, and, and Roberta says that line that just like gutted me of I loved you as Al. I thought, mm-hmm. oh my God, like I think the weight of how of what that means at their age and with that much history was just so fascinating. I was like, wow, I feel that about people I knew for five years. You're talking about someone you've known for like 50, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm so, um, I don't know. I'm just completely bowled over by this movie. And the more I think about it, the more I want to watch it again. And the more I want to like, I want to like tell other people to watch it too. But it's in a way, it's not something that you just like put in on a rainy Saturday. Like it does require like some energy to kind of piece the plot together a little bit too. Mm -hmm. But like, and you're, you're constantly searching for, or maybe expecting some sort of high drama, Mm -hmm. but you never quite get it because they're acting exactly how humans would act. There's a passive aggressiveness when Candace Bergen, you know, when they first get on the ship and Meryl says, do you want to go for a drink? Yeah. Because obviously Meryl wants to get it over with. Like the, like I want to know, because uh, I want to know why Meryl invited Candace Bergen. Right. I want to know why Candace Bergen was so eager to accept. Um, you know, they both had ideas of what it would look like or maybe what that final conversation would look like. And, may, and as viewers, you kind of want that sort of explosion because, but at that point, it's like you start off really sympathizing with Candace Bergen. And by the end, she just comes off as this like desperate woman who yeah. you're kind of like okay 
but I, I, Candace Bergen might be my favorite of the three. Uh, well, it's so hard to yeah, choose. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say. It is so hard to choose. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing that like Meryl is Meryl and uh, the Weast is is fantastic. Like just. Oh, she really she's is She's so great. And like I love her character. I love her role in this narrative. I just, I think, yes. I think where she fits into this narrative, I'm really fascinated by that. Like she's not a part of the drama. She's very much the supportive friend and the salt of the earth like point of view. Oh yeah. The beta. The, it's yeah. Like, you know, and Candace are like competing alphas. Yeah. You know? And, but like I'm with you. I think Candace Bergen runs away with this movie i mm-hmm. i i think she's there is there is a scene it's before their con their their bedroom conversation when they're having lunch at the inn and meryl is talking about you know trying to find the right word and you know and and kind of being amused by how they want you to call it a ship and, and a crossing not a cruise and then the camera just focuses on candace bergen just staring at her and watching her talk and it's I was like, oh, like it's, it's so much. It's just, yeah. and like, and she's doing, she's not overplaying it, but there's just this intensity about her. And like at that moment, I was like, her ability to communicate so much by doing so little in this moment, this movie is Candace Bergen's. It is. Candace Bergen reacts. It's yes. Like, you know. Yes. That's basically like the majority of where I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Like even at the very beginning when we first meet her and how she that annoying lady who comes into her store uh-huh. and wants that like blue bra or whatever it was. And the way she shoots daggers. And but like but it's the same thing. Is that the same? Correct me if I'm wrong. There's so many dinners in this movie. Too, I know. Yeah. Or lunches. But is that the same one where it like almost escalates? Or was that on the ship? It's. I think it's on the ship because they the escalation happens right before that when <clears throat> I I I feel like Roberta got a little drunk and they and they start to get around like what's your next book going to be about and she's like we want an, is it Rowena like she's a she's a literary oh, yeah. you know uh, treasure and we should know what happened to Rowena and that's when the Weast shuts it down and she has that amazing mm-hmm. moment of like I don't think I've ever been seated with two more self-centered people and it's it's such a moment and then she has that whole yes. speech about elon musk and the satellites uh. <laughs> oh like she's such she's like such a great diffuser and i think that is because trios are hard yeah it's like there's always someone who kind of gets i don't want to say left behind but you know what i'm talking there's about. a third and, yeah there's a third yeah absolutely yeah mm-hmm. and i think like I'm trying to think of like in their younger years or even like when she was married to her husband, she might, Candace Bergen might've been the alpha, you know, and mm. Meryl was still like a struggling writer and what that relationship looked like. And now it's like the tables have turned, but at the same time too, Candace Bergen just, it's so fascinating how like she's avoiding Meryl because I don't know if she knows, it's like she has an idea of what that conversation looks like. But she's also too scared to do it. Like she's yeah. still putting it off after all these years. And what a great setting to be on a ship where you literally can't go anywhere else. Because the first time that they were gonna meet, they finally set up a lunch. They were between. They were gonna have um, tea. Yeah. They were gonna have tea. Yeah. And then Candace Bergen ends up bringing someone on purpose, though. 
So it's just like the, these power plays that keep happening. Yeah, and that's really fascinating. It's like those little moments. That's, again, reasons to rewatch this movie is like these are all these little microaggressions and under like unspoken moments and underplayed moments. Like when I love that scene when she's when she's there sitting with that that dodo as, she, as Alice describes him and uh, and Alice shows up holding the flowers and uh, like and she's like and, and what am I doing with these you know and just puts them on the table I love that though <laughs> that was amazing but then she leaves she's like well maybe I'll I'll see you at dinner and then she leaves and again it's just like Candace Bergen just like watching her as she exits and mm. it's. Like those little moments where, yeah, you want the explosion, you want the emotional moment, but you know it's all, it's all like buried under so much like history. It's almost like if it came out, it would just ruin everything. It'd sink the whole ship, you know? Yeah. I, I, I would love to, I think everybody gets a moment. And I would love to maybe like I I have a feeling of like who what the moment was for each person and maybe we can like mm. take it that way. Um, so I think for me, if we're gonna start with Roberta, we're gonna start with Candace Bergen. I to me like the moment that like when I say the moment, I think like it's the el- it's the moments that elevate above what you're talking about, where everyone is just communicating like real human beings, and we get like a dramatic choice, you know. And mm. and I think with Roberta, I think with Candace Bergen, it really for me it was that scene at the inn when she's just like staring at Meryl and just like watching her speak and just I, it's interesting what we don't see happen after that because she's clearly also gathering up the strength and the and the and the preparation to finally have that conversation yes, or like yes, the yes. disgust. She's like, okay, enough. We're, we're I'm done with you. We have to have this conversation. Um, <clears throat> so for me, that's. If there was a when she won it moment for me, that's Roberta's moment. Um, yes, but overall, her energy through the movie is just like it—it's so BSA because whenever she's on the screen, even if the Weast is there, I can't look away from Candace Bergen. Yeah, I she there's there are some funny moments too with her. It's like at the beginning when she's like when she's like I'm going away for 2 weeks and the manager is like can you find someone to cover you? She's like no, I think that's your job right. as the manager. Right. So funny. Like she's just like no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um and her and this may overlap with the Weast, but her the two scenes that she at Susan Roberta have of playing games. I think oh god, I want to just pull up a chair. Yeah. Like, those are such lovely little moments. And they're great moments for the Weast. Like, I think that's, you know, where she really gets to be featured a little bit more. And what I love, kind of knowing that this is mostly improvised, is there are moments when Roberta kind of laughs in amusement at something that Susan says. And I'm like, oh, that's Candace Bergen laughing at something Diane Weast said. You know what I mean? Because it's improvised. I just love, like, witnessing that, you know? I would love to read this script. I need to know what it looks like because obviously something had to be written down, but it is like this sort of, you know, the the rule of improv is like, give me three words and yeah. then just like put it together. But with this, it's like you have to come up with your own like sort of backstory and your history. And like, I wonder if the actresses talked to, I just like wish I was on this set. I, I want to know everything about yeah how it worked. I, I, cause because I think I don't know. I think there was like the a history. There was like a structure around like here's what this scene's about. There may have been like a couple of like these like you know I think to kind of use another example that really stood out to me 
was Gemma Chan and that that monologue she had with Lucas Hedges where she started yeah. talking about, you know, the guy Yan that she was with and freezing her eggs yes. and all that, which was just like a moment like that character could have just kind of she's good in the movie, but I didn't think she was going to get any moments. And then that happened. And I was like, what? Um, oh, yeah. It, but I thought of that scene and I thought, I wonder if if what she knew was like the overall story. She was with someone named Yan. And then he ended things recently. She had frozen her eggs. You know, here's like the themes of the monologue. Now go, you know, but like, yeah, play, play. Like I, I was watching it. I was thinking, was she told that at some point this character gets emotional or was that something that happened naturally? Because that was what jumped out to me was that this was some, some profoundly realistic talking through tears happening. Yes. Oh my gosh. Where she says, um, I guess I'm still working through that. Oh. And she like, she never lets herself go. But like, that's when she, that's when like the most tears fall from her face. And I love that she does what any human would do is wipe the tear away. Yeah. There's so much like Hollywood sort of, you know, glamorizing being emotional and like you don't wipe your tears away. But like, that's the first thing you do because there's that, that that apologetic nature of like saying, I'm sorry when you're crying. Mm -hmm. And that's that's sort of like the movement that accompanies. Like, let me let me get these out of my eyes because I don't want to make you uncomfortable. And she does that. And I so appreciated that. Yeah. So she was great. She was great. I mean, you know, I, I just thought, well, where is there room for more lady acting when I have Meryl Candy in the Weast? But uh, Gemma Chan as Karen was was excellent, and I thought that moment was such a was such a smart choice because otherwise that character doesn't get a lot of moments. And mm-hmm. I thought that just like told me so much about her, and I love how it ended. I love that the scene ended on that line of like, so I guess I'm still working through that, um, and then it ends. And I thought, oh, yeah, I can't believe you ended on that. I just I know, Ugh. like that to I me. Also, yeah, go. go no, ahead. I just I'm I'm obsessed with like that kind of edit. It's just so good. I also love because you're waiting the whole movie. You know, as a viewer, that um, uh, Karen Gemma Chan mm-hmm. is on the ship, but Meryl doesn't know that Gemma's on the ship, and it's like Keanu saying this too because he's been on. I think he's been on two, maybe I know definitely one cruise before, and um. It, no matter how big the ship is, you start like bumping into the same people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, it's a ship after all. Like you're all kind of going to, and it happens when you least expect it. And the way that they sort of recover from it is so genuinely like spontaneous. And it, like, I think that's where it, like, as soon as that was like the first thing I thought of when I found out that everything was like improv, I was like, ah, oh, I wonder what they like said. Yeah. Like, what would you say? Like, it's such a bit like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And then she finally like, I guess uh, she has that conversation with Meryl afterwards too. And I love that you don't know what that conversation is. Yeah. I love that there was just like clever little like cruise ship jazz music playing over it. Yeah. I was wondering with those scenes watching that, I was wondering like the decision to make all of that a music montage versus actual dialogue. And I thought, huh. Mm-hmm. I like, how did they arrive at that? Cause clearly it was just filmed and they'd figure it out later. But, um, yeah, it was. I I I assume that Meryl knew that Gemma Chan would be on the ship. That I, you know, like what if they they really leaned into it and they didn't even tell her. They said, "Meryl, just oh my god, go around the Can corner and just play whatever happens." Right? Ugh. It's again, like it's just worth noting that like the idea of this like prolonged 
improv game with Meryl Streep, Candace Bergen, and Diane Weist is like what a year what a great year 2020 has <laughs> been i don't remember anything I else i just know this happened yeah <laughs> um yeah um i i didn't we were jumping and uh but that's okay because it i i love it's kind of how the movie is in a yeah. way too you were saying before like there are these they're sort of these short little vignettes that kind of cut off in different places and are places that you wouldn't expect but i kind of loved it it's just like I don't know. It just worked for me. But as far as like my moments as for Candace Bergen is it's like in general, it's like all of her reactions. But I do remember that scene more clearly now, too, at the end. You can almost like it's she's like radiating rage at the same time. Mm. Like she know, and like I, I've seen that before, like when you're kind of um, there's a moment when you think sometimes people just react. But what we got to see was her thinking about what she's going to say. Like as she's almost like, <clears throat> and it almost happens, but yet it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's just this like someone turns off the burner. Yeah, on the boiling pot. yeah. There, there'd be like these moments, like when they'd be having dinner or tea, where like, yeah, she would just cut herself off, or it, or would get cut mm-hmm. off, and would just be like, oh, I'm not going to pursue it. it. Like, Candace Bergen is the one to watch and to rewatch because there's she there's always something going on, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, we are Diane Weist, you know, in all of this. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe that's like part of it. I'm like, I, I'm more focused on Candace Bergen because that's where all the tension is. But uh, I mean, I'll also say, and I, I don't know if this was fully scripted or if this was a Candace Bergen original, but the line, I loved you as Al and the way she delivers it just... I like I just, I don't know. That just said so much to me. And I love the build up to that of, of Alice saying like, you know, we've we've really lost each other, haven't we? And she's like, Yeah, yeah, we have. Like the the honest conversation they were having in that moment, yeah. I thought, oh wow, like this is fascinating. And I could watch this scene go on for an hour. Like Oh yeah, you all, you wanted more, but sometimes those conversations aren't I mean, it's a it's a pretty long scene. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the longer scenes for sure, because that is what you're waiting for the entire time is for them to kind of hash it out. I love how it's staged. Yeah. I love how like Candace Bergen is wearing like a Dallas Cowboy t-shirt or something oh, like yeah. and she just kind of hunched over on that couch. Mm-hmm. I love Candace Burgess and Burgess. <laughs> <laughs> you and Keon are perfect for each other. <laughs> I know. Candace Burgess. Oh lord. Candace Bergen's walk. I don't know if she chose yeah. to limp, uh-huh. but I love that she limped. Yes. I don't know if that's just her or choice, but I was here for it. I noticed that the first scene that she sees Susan out on the deck and she kind of limps towards her and I thought, "Wow, what that must be like." to see someone that you've been friends with since college have kind of like an older lady gait, you know, like what that, like just seeing like that kind of age on someone that, you know, I just, I kept, I kept thinking about them in college and them on that trip in San Francisco 35 years ago and like who they were. And like, it's, and obviously we, cause we've, we all kind of know what the three of them look like when they're younger, we can kind of use our imaginations and cosplay Mm -hmm. that moment, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it's fascinating for as little as we are told in this movie about their relationship or about these inner dynamics or what's going on with them. I came out of it just like, 
having enough to want more, if that makes sense. Like I was intrigued enough to be like, oh God, I just, I want to know so much about this friendship. Like this is the kind of movie that if it was a mini series with flashbacks, I wouldn't be bothered by the flashbacks, you know? Yeah. And what a, I mean, just thinking about this even more, like what a great choice to have like the one who's been through the ringer have the limp, you know what I mean? To just kind of walked, like still trying her best to like, I mean, first of all, Candace Bergen's wardrobe, the hat, oh, the, the hat? cowboy hats. Oh, my God. The chili pepper necklace. I mean, yes. She oh, just, God. Ugh, the, the, the fringe. I mean, she was. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. Um, But yeah, to like kind of still sort of have it together. And she brought some really nice clothes, but the, she still has like that Dallas, Texas touch, mm-hmm. you know, as well. Um, I, I really love that a lot. Um. There was something else that we said that I can't remember now. It's gone. Um, but we could talk about Diane Weiss. We can move to Diane. Diane. Or do you want to talk about Meryl? I mean, we're kind of skirting around Meryl, but she's kind of like this. I don't know. What do you What do you think? Is there a ranking here? Are we building up to someone? Or that's we just... a That's a That's a very good question because I was thinking about that. Is like if we were to build up to someone, it would be Candace Bergen. But I can't. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about Candace. Yeah. Bergen. We gotta come on. We gotta talk about Candy. Yeah. We gotta talk about Candy. So Candy first. I think, given the Weasts alum status on this podcast, maybe we get yes. to her last. Yeah, I'm done with that. We've given some Gemma Gemma Chan love, which I think was well deserved. I think. Maybe we talk about Lucas Hedges briefly, then we'll talk about Merrill, and then we'll talk about with the Weast. How's that sound? Ooh, love that. Right. Perfect. Tyler is his name. Tyler. Lucas Hedges. Tyler. So Lucas Hedges, who I, you know, and I, I actually, I think it's like because of of Lady Bird, probably, that I really like Lucas Hedges. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, the good the, the kid next door who's yeah gay. yeah <laughs> you know who's what I mean? gay yeah and who has just like and in this movie Bird, like right. had this. This quality where it was like, I liked that Tyler was very clearly in his early 20s. And I, there was something so specific about thinking really seriously without having a lot of years of adult experience. Yes. You know? Yes, Colin. Yes. Right? And I just like, I know I that. Remember. And it's a real thing and it's totally valid. But that's what happens when you're like 23 or 24 or whatever is like, you think really seriously about stuff, but like you've never turned 30. So yeah. there's just so much that comes with that. And so I, I, what I liked about him though was that instead of him being kind of this quote-unquote out-of-touch millennial, which is kind of an interesting idea because, you know, they're sort of in touch depending on what you're looking at. Um, I liked that there was some validity to what he was saying. Like, certainly that fabulous scene with the Weast where he's basically saying, like, you're the last generation of people who, like, know what it's like to connect without the phone, without the cell phone and without, you know, the internet and all that. Like, you know, you know what life was like at its most authentic. And I... What I loved about that scene was he didn't play it as like because it, it's a it's a it's a somewhat mildly dramatic point of view, but also kind of valid, um, or at least worth talking about. But I liked the way that it played out between the way he delivered it and how the Weast responded was like there was some validity to the question, you know, like there was it's like yeah, it's like yeah, I get what you're saying, and I like, and maybe this is more on the Weast, but when she was like basically saying like you've you've had this thing since you were two you've been typing away since you were two like i just love that moment between them that was 
him bringing up questions and her bringing answers and he didn't look like the dumb millennial and she didn't look like the out of touch old lady. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she mentioned Facebook and Instagram. It's like, she, she knows what this stuff is. Yeah. And I, I think that like Lucas Hedges is great in this movie, but I think what I enjoy the most about him is the different types of relationships he has with Susan, with Roberta, when they're looking up that shoelace maker on the internet and they, they find that he was acquitted for murder or something. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And his like lovely Dick's shoelaces. Dick's shoelaces. Yeah. yeah. And he has, and then he has this like lovely kind of like anti mame relationship with, with Alice. And yeah, that's sort of like, I think it, I think, he, I was saying before, like, we're all kind of the weast because she's the one without conflict. But I think mm-hmm. for people like you and me who want to, like, have brunch with Meryl Streep every morning on a ship, oh, we're all we're all Tyler in a way, you know? And, and he's so polite with them and he's so, like, interested. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I appreciated that they didn't play the easy notes of, like, there being this weird generational gap, you know? Yeah, I like that he, it's like going back to the Diane Weiss scene too about social media. It's like they both kind of treated each other with like respect mm-hmm. of like, you know, because it's very easy with that big of an age gap to be like, oh, you kids and your phones. But he was like, no, it's like, I, I get it. It's like, I just wish that I, I think there was a general or genuine fas- fascination with like, what is it? What's it like? It, it was almost an interview. And like the way Diane Weist, it's one of my favorite scenes of Diane Weist. She's talking about, it's just like, I think that's when I started to like have this uh, inkling. I was like, something is really go Something's going on here. I was like, as far as like the pauses she took with that. And like when she was mm-hmm. really genuinely thinking about her words, I was like, wow, she is incredible. Like I was, and I I think I even said like, it's crazy how she's acting this as if it, like she's reading off of a script. I was like talking to Keon or Mm. something during it. And I, and then I found out it wasn't necessarily a script. And I was like, of course it's not. Right. Right. It makes me think of like the comeback and the way that the comeback is actually scripted, but they basically like improvise and then wrote down what they improvised and put it into the script. And so a scene like this could happen in the comeback and it could have lots of pauses and ums and uhs and like, mm-hmm. you know, little like choices, but all of them have been scripted because they like worked yeah. it out. And yes, yes, I yes. think, and I was wondering if it was the same way here. We're like, man, there are some nuances here that they're playing. And uh, it's, and it's probably a larger conversation maybe towards the end of this episode is like how the fact that we know that, to some degree, this is improv. How does that affect our view on these as great performances? So, oh yeah, so a great question. I, I'll start I, I, marinating. Yeah, a thing yeah. to marinate on is like, how does that affect? You know, if we were to look at this as like award nomination worthy, how does that affect our our thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so great. put Can't put that in the that. cooker. Yeah, yeah, it, but as far as Tyler too, like. Lucas Hedges is one of those guys, like, I feel like in ways he's he's on the same sort of trajectory as, I think I, I read this in an article or I heard it on a podcast, so I'm definitely borrowing this sentiment, I guess, that he is, has a similar trajectory of Timothy Chalamet, Timothy, mm, um, yeah. but like, they're both sort of the same age. Um, is Timothy Chalamet Oscar nominated or no? 
Because Lucas Hedges is he, for Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, I don't think maybe for no, you know what? Oh, for Call Me by Your Name. Call Me was, by Your Name. Yeah, he was nominated. Yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah. Army Hammer was not, but he was. Yeah. So it's just like they're both kind of this like new generation of Hollywood that's coming up too, and they they both have like these great credits and are like they seem to be doing like all the right movies, I guess. Mm. Um, but there's something more, um engaging and like i'd rather hang out with lucas hedges i guess is what i'm saying yes or i feel like i am probably more like lucas hedges which is probably why i'm saying that obviously but um yeah I, and i'm trying to think of like the female like there's like saoirse ronan and then there's like i don't know i'm trying like jennifer lawrence or someone but I, that's not really the best comparison like who's the timothy chalamet oh like who timothy you mean he almost has like i know it maybe not the same age light range but like it goes to a Kristen stewart territory for me possibly yeah oh god they should play like siblings yeah like in it, a movie it'd be great it's like a brooding energy you know it, it's interesting yeah you know we're talking about like it's funny how between like Little Women and Lady Bird are all of these kind of like new wave of Hollywood folks, you know, like yeah. Florence Pugh, Saoirse Ronan, yes. Timothy Chalamet, yes, yes. Peter Hedges, or not Peter, Lucas Hedges, Peter Hedges is his father. Yeah. Um, but I feel like Beanie Feldstein, I mean, come on, oh. you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. like where do we put Beanie Feldstein? But I, yes, uh, yes. I feel like they are, you know, a portion of like, kind of the new wave that like i i still expect to be these people to be actors and like celebrities in their 40s you know oh yeah yeah i think they're here to the sort of stay and I, i'm interested to see how lucas hedges is hedges is yeah, hedges is, yeah. <laughs> lucas's career sort of like where he's going too because I was I was thinking I was like gosh you're kind of annoying in a way too because like i I'm, i was annoyed by his like but then I'm like, no, he's like a genius for being this doofy 22-year-old kid. Like, I, it's never really v revealed, like, what he's studying, like, if he's in college or, like, but he is, like, around that age. Maybe, like, one year, it's like a post-grad situation. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, And he does have that sort of, like, I kind of know what the world's about, but I, you don't. Yeah, like exactly what you were saying too. And I was annoyed by it at times, but I was like, no, this is exactly who he needs to be. And he's playing it perfectly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm annoyed by it because it's so real and it's so true. Yeah. And like, it's, I mean, you know, it it brings us, if if you will, it brings us to yes, Meryl. Please. I think it brings us yes. to Meryl because I'm having, was having a similar issue with Meryl where I was like, oh God, this woman is insufferable, but she's oh, yes. supposed to be. Like, it's, it made me think a lot about, you know, Meryl. And Meryl is playing older. Like, Meryl, like, I had to remind myself, this isn't, this isn't the Meryl that I know. Like, this is a much older Meryl. Like, she's playing a much older energy than mm -hmm. she really is. Because it just, like, I had that moment of watching it and seeing her kind of have these these very kind of slower older kind of qualities and i thought oh my god at some point in my lifetime i'm there's going to be a a twilight meryl not to be confused with kristen stewart you know like an yes. old like meryl's gonna die one day and i, I went know. there and i was like colin you can't think about this like yeah you, you know like i, I it, but it, there was a little bit of that like 
not to be morbid, but it was, I think that was the other element of not only Meryl, but Candace Bergen and Diane Weist, these three actresses who I've seen for years and like my my imprinted image of them is much younger you know whenever i think of diane weist i think of diane weist like circa 1995 you know whenever i think oh of yeah birdcage birdcage yeah, i like... think of candace bergen i think of murphy brown i think of merrill mm-hmm. you know the oldest i can go is mama mia you know but like yeah seeing them in this movie and seeing them like playing older women it was like oh these you know these icons we're talking about like the new mm-hmm. wave of hollywood stars it's like ugh, like the idea that we could lose these icons anytime soon i know uh I know. it's you know it's a thing an actress sexual worries about is when they're you know when their legends may go uh, yeah it's, it takes up most of my day yeah i was thinking about the barefoot contessa so much this week i was like wow she's 72 or 73 i was like i can't yeah I can't. I can't even imagine. I can't. World with, I can't go on. Tw- yeah, I can't go on Twitter one day, unbeknown, unbeknownst to me, just peeing, and I go on Twitter, and it's uh, hashtag uh, R.I.P. Ina. You know. I know. I think about Liza a lot. Uh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but we can't go there, Colin. Not yet. Not yet. No. I don't know why I'm getting so dark. I mean, I guess it is appropriate, and <laughs> it's appropriate in this movie because this is where the spoiler does show up, listeners. If you don't, if you don't want to hear us queen out on the weast, that's your problem. But this is where I'm going to spoil. Let them all talk. <laughs> yeah. Maybe fast forward ten minutes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Like I, I would maybe go to the end of the episode and then like rewind. You know, ten minutes, and you get the <laughs> BSA of the week. Yeah. 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 But. The shocker to me, and maybe this is why it, it, I thought of it before it happened, but then it really cemented it, was that Alice does die in this movie. And we do see Meryl Meryl. playing dead in this movie. Yeah. And I did not see that coming in the least. No, I didn't. Because it was right after, it's right after the talk with her and Candace Bergen. Yeah. She has that that, night. She has that moment. She has that kind of like, you know, she sees kind of herself dead in bed. And she has those other kind of like flash, uh, you know, memories, the bees, the the velvet, you know, cushion, a man with a ring on. And we have, we never know what Mm -hmm. that's about. Yeah. And knowing that she is going to die, that she, because what is it? She has some sort of rare. She's, uh, uh, it's, um, Deep vein thrombosis. Got it. I don't know why I know so, that, but that's what it no, is. No, yeah. that was, I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but basically she can't fly to accept this award in the UK. So that's why they, they're taking the ship. And as, as a, uh, a sort of stipulation, her doctor was like, okay, but I'm going to come with you. And I really loved how that was set up because there's this whole mystery of him. She sees him as she's swimming mm. and he keeps kind of popping up at random times uh, on the ship and it's revealed that he is her like sort of like private doctor in a way and he gives her a shot or something every morning to make sure that she's okay yeah and so he's the one who finds her the morning and then lucas hedges uh you know and then he kind of spills the beans and then it's it's like such a shock though it really is it's like a halt yeah because we've been seeing him through the movie as like the secret lover and you know that's and you are convinced that's what this is going to be and like oh i can't believe uptight alice is sleeping with this mystery man on the ship you know and and it's it like you just there's so many things you expect to happen in the end of the movie after that conversation with with roberta and alice suddenly dying is not one of them that i just it, it was so and i think very true to life I felt so unresolved and it's like, you know, there's that scene after when Roberta says like, or maybe it's, it's Tyler who says like, 
So should I rebook our plane tickets? You know, like, what do we do now? I guess we collect our stuff. I guess we go home. Like, what do we do? And I think in movies, a lot of times, like, even, like, when a character dies, like, I, I think that that abrupt like what do I do now moment never really gets captured and I, lo- I love that there was that sense and that it was like those three actors improvising that scene in the hotel room of like huh what do we do now like I, I just think that that's yeah. very true to life of, of what death is like. Yeah, it's like messy and complicated and like a lot of movies show the emotional side of that like at the funeral or just you know before but not the moment of. It, it's it's kind of like this intimate situation too when um lucas hedges first finds out that was one of keon's biggest gripes with lucas hedges is like the way he reacted to meryl dying not that i wanted to see him burst into tears but like he just kind of yeah. i don't know he, he just kind of like stood there and i was like i don't know what i wanted from him but i wanted something else but also who am i to like dictate what like what grief should look like you know yeah well and i i that moment stood out to me too was you know he finds out and then he says oh no and it's such a strange response and i thought well it's yeah it wasn't the one that i wanted but i thought well that seems weirdly realistic that at that moment like that's the thing movies give people these like great mm -hmm. scripted moments but in reality your brain when it gets news like that your brain just doesn't work anymore. You have you have spilled water on the MacBook, you know. And to yeah. me, that felt like that's exactly you. It, it's he probably didn't even know he said it, you know, or the character doesn't didn't even know he said it, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so yeah. that's how I read it. Was like, oh yeah, what a what a weird reaction to a weird moment that you like fully weren't prepared for, you know. And I I I bought it with that lens, you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess that 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 does make sense too. And I can't believe we've gone so long without talking about the fact of the, Steven Soderbergh is the one who directed this movie, and the one, the man, yeah, who directed this movie. Um, who also directed Aaron Brockovich. He won an Oscar for what was it? Traffic. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, I, and I just like I would love to see more movies like this. I yeah. I just think it's such an interesting it's like wouldn't wouldn't it be cool if there was like a play like this or something like that but i guess you would have to change it would have to be like a limited run and you could have maybe like 12 different plays or something like that or maybe three different ideas you know what i mean like just almost like the different endings on clue (laughs) yeah and then you mean like a play where it's like largely improvised yeah yeah it's just like um but I guess it would be chaos at the same time, too. I guess it makes more sense to have it as a film. But um, I don't know. I'm just thinking of, like, where this could go. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's... it. I, I There were moments where this movie did feel like a play, and I think it's because there are these scenes, these just yes. dialogue, you know, set-piece scenes that just play out. Um, I, th- I mean, I think there's a world where, like, that's... I mean, there's a lot of improv theater that, that you know... That's true. Pretty much. But I think the big difference there is, like, you know, I think it's more comedic improv than dramatic improv. And so like mm-hmm. there's that like that added challenge. Um any notes that felt kind of strange from a mu- from a movie point of view or didn't feel like other movies, I thought, oh, that's probably on purpose. Like it's probably meant to feel like this, you know? Yeah. Um Yeah. So so that all of course brings us to the Weast, to Best Supporting Podcast alum, the Weast. Uh, yes. 
Diane Weist, who doesn't have the mo- the the juiciest role in the movie, like she doesn't have the Roberta role or even the the Alice role, but I feel like she was I was equally fascinated by her because from the from the stories that she told, like the life that she leads. I love that what we know about her is that she's a grandmother in Seattle and she works with um, domestic abuse, you know, uh, victims and, and she's still kind of very active and conscious and social, you know, you're socially conscious and all that stuff. But like clearly from the from the anecdotes that she's told, you know, to Roberta while they're playing games and just kind of the vibe that I get is like, I think that Susan, she doesn't drink now. But I think she used to drink a lot, and I think that she was, like, the one who was having the threesomes and was sleeping with the waiter and was, like, getting into, you know, all kinds of trouble. I I like the idea that Susan was a little bit of the wild child of the three and has mellowed into what she is now. Yeah, I forgot about that, the threesome. She's like, well, at least it wasn't a foursome. Yeah, or It was five all some. the two of them playing games. Oh, there's, what was it? During the Scrabble, she's like, this is a double letter It's a word, double triple letter, B. triple word score. Bow down, bitch. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, Diane. I, yeah. I just love her at the beginning. Um, I want to mention his name just because he's a, he's a Broadway guy. Christopher Fitzgerald. He was mm-hmm. in the original cast of Wicked. He was in Waitress, the musical, most recently, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, he was in Young Frankenstein. He played Igor. Oh, um, I can see really, that. A really, really popular um, sort of character actor, musical theater guy. So I was happy to see him. And I just love, uh, it's, he's at the, he plays Diane Weiss's son. And oh my gosh, the two of them sitting at that counter when she, because basically he designed some sort of program or some some item that his best friend like stole the rights for or some sort of yeah, thing like yeah. that. And so he's left broke because it was, it sounds like some sort of startup. And so he's spending time, he's basically living with Diane Weiss and she's like, it's fine. She's like, this is, you know, they have a little conversation, but she's like, but when, when I think about that friend, what he did to you, it makes me feel violent yeah mm, it, it does it does it makes it just like the way she like so stutters good. over that yeah oh god i was so hooked yeah that's so hooked. i mean i love you know because yeah he's kind of rambling and like he's like i just i feel bad i feel like i'm in it you know in position and she like waves her hand at him she's like hi sorry hi i'm i'm your mom i'm your mother yes. it's just like oh i was like oh I love you. And she smiles. And she that smiles. Squinty smile. That squinty smile. Oh my god! And I thought, oh, like this is this like again for as little as we're told about these women, it is so clear to me that there's like these rich lives underneath. And yes, I yes. And while it, there's, you always want to know more. That's kind of what's great about it is you always want to know more. I want to know as, as much as the drama is not about Susan. I want to know Susan's entire life story. I want to know what her major was in college, all that. Like, there's a life there. And I, I love, it's even more exciting that we don't know what it is, you know? Yeah. And I, it's interesting because she seems like the wild girl, but she also feels like, like I said, I, I mentioned before that she's kind of the beta of the group. Like yeah. She, maybe quite often is that odd man out, but at the same time, she probably has the most interaction with like, either of them i guess like she has the most interaction with candace she has the most interaction with like my i don't i don't really remember meryl and her being together one-on-one yeah you know it was i didn't see much of that either and it really did feel like that 
even for even like that first night when Alice says, hey, let's go grab a drink. I thought, oh, isn't it interesting? I mean, I know that uh, Susan doesn't drink, but I thought, oh, isn't that interesting that like she's going to have yeah. just, you know, a night with Roberta and, you know, she wouldn't like because obviously Susan could have a drink with her and just have a Coke, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it, that stood out to me that like, oh, I think Roberta and Alice, there was a richer relationship. And then like, I think when when Susan has that line of like I've never been with two more self-absorbed people, I think that says a lot about maybe their entire relationship that they've been so self-absorbed and absorbed in each other's drama and the fact that like like she's always been an outsider just because she's not self-absorbed. I mean, this is a woman who is selfless for her for her son and for these women that she works with. Like Alice is the opposite of self-absorbed. Or sorry, Susan is the opposite of self-absorbed, you know? Yeah, she's like, uh, going back to Happiest Season, she's like the Jane in a way. Yeah. Like her sisters are crazy, super competitive, and in in ways almost the same dynamic. Yeah. It's interesting, two weeks in a row. Yeah, Right? I know. Yeah, Susan doesn't have any secrets. She's just an ally. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) exactly. Um, I just love the one line she said. When she she and... um, Candace Bergen are on like the deck of the ship mm-hmm. and she asked Candace Bergen she's like you really think that like that book is like what caused your life to go you know off the rails or whatever and she's like well yeah and she's like and <laughs> um Diane we says you know I know I'm not the smart the quickest person around the place I oh. love that line like, oh. like that is not even a phrase but she like you could tell she genuinely did not know where she was going there. Yeah. Oh, that jumped out to me. That was when I was like, is this scripted? This is so that what a delivery. What a line. Like what a choice. Uh, yeah, the quickest person around, around the, place. the place. Yeah, because it was there's that pause. It, it was so crazy that like it wasn't a correct expression, but it flowed so well. I just ugh. I just I loved I loved that moment and her in that like that dress with that red, you know. Oh, she looks like this pilgrim. Yeah. I don't know what. It's so, it's the weirdest thing she wears because everything else looks fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that. It's very weird. Very weird. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I just, I love that moment. It, it's, ugh. For me, the least, the moment where, I mean, I guess where she won it for me and I sent you this screenshot and I'm obsessed. Yeah. We, there, there's that scene, you know, they're all having dinner and Karen's there and, you know, that's when uh, that's when Susan kind of breaks, you know, breaks or starts the tension of like never being, you know, seated with two more self-absorbed people. And yes. and then she goes into this speech of like, do you know what happened when we were, you know, when we lost, you know, we're out of touch with the world yesterday. Like they were, you know, weren't able to get internet or whatever. Uh, do you know what happened? And, and and there's this great moment of like, we don't see it, but of, of Alice saying, oh, well, you know, I, I was working. So, and it's just like, oh God, what a great, like, of course that's what oh, Alice would say. Alice thing to say. Yeah. Yes. And then, then Susan says, well, right. Because you're always working. And then we see a reaction from Alice that it took me a few watches to catch, but like Meryl like looks at her with this like surprise and it's, Sort of like, oh, I never expected Susan to like put me in my place. It's a great micro yes. moment. But then Susan and I don't I don't know if this is based in fact or what, but says that, you know, Elon Musk, you know, sent a bunch of satellites into the sky that look exactly like stars and um, you know, we're we're you know, we'll be the last people who, you know, have seen real stars. And at at some point in the speech she turns and, and clearly looks at Tyler and it's this close up of the weast. 
and it's way too brief. Like I needed two more seconds of it. Yeah. It is it is one of my favorite shots I've seen of anything this year. It there's just something about that that close up of her and like how what she's saying is sort of echoing what he was saying in their conversation about like you're the last people to like know what a genuine connection is and we're the last people yeah. to know what real stars look like and there was something oh, I love this. about the yeah. choice to like look at him and like acknowledge that point of view that ah oh, i just that to me like just almost stole the movie from Candace Burke in that moment, you know? How dare you? I know, I know. She it didn't, you know. <laughs> but it's tough. But it's yeah, tough. It's a race to the finish. This is a, this is the tightest race we've ever seen, you know? Um, I know. And and she does have like quote unquote like the happiest ending of all the three women. You yeah. know, she finds she she ends up like it's you kind of put the pieces together, but she ends up with that um He's almost like a James Patterson type. Do you know James Patterson? Of course, of course. He, yeah, yeah. He's... That's why I feel like that's modeled after in a way because I remember like he's like super famous and like he he pumps out like a book a week. Um, and there's a lot of people that just like say that like other people write books for him and then he puts his name on it. Um, and sometimes he does write books. Sometimes he just like outlines them. So there, I I don't know what is true, but. Um, yeah, Diane ends up with him and yeah. she's, she's quite smitten with him and it, it happens very naturally. He's kind of walking by them and he joins them to start talking about poison and, um, and they, yeah, they it kind of sparks this. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Yeah. They, they end up like collaborating on this like yeah. book together and yeah, Kelvin Kranz, uh, Kelvin Kranz. What's yeah. interesting is that it doesn't play out like a love connection, but like it could be, you know? Yeah. Like a partnership. Yeah. yeah they're just, uh. And I think that's actually kind of surprising in this movie that, uh, I mean, there are like romantic narratives, obviously, like, you know, Roberta trying to meet a man and, and what Tyler thinks is happening with Karen. But I like that none of them work out and they're, they end up telling like just a larger story. Like, I love that, like, I didn't want Karen and Tyler to hook up, you know, I just thought, no, yeah, like, no, I wouldn't buy that. Like, Karen wouldn't, you know, and I. I thought that was really smart how they played it. They 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 ended up playing out, you know, Tyler's, you know, the fact that he is kind of naive in some ways and like, you know, was thinking, oh, how, you know, what, where our relationship is going to go from here. And it's like, Tyler, you're like a post-grad in Cincinnati and I'm a, a literary agent in New York and I'm 10 years older than you. It's not going anywhere. It's yeah. staying on the ship. Uh, and so I, between that and like, you know, Roberta never meeting anybody, it's like any of the potential love connections or, you know, the doctor and Alice, like it's never about that, you know? Yeah. I love that. I, I just thought of that one moment when they, they first spot Calvin Kranz in the corner there mm -hmm. and Meryl doesn't know who she, who he is, of course. Right. It's like Candace and Diane are like super excited and they've read all his books and she's, it's like one of the more like insufferable moments of Alice as far as just like, I, I just don't understand how you could read it. It's the, the prose itself is just nauseating. Like she says mm. something like that. Yeah. And then Candace is like, and yet I can't wait to read them. Yeah. Like just that little like dagger. She's and the way that Meryl looks back at her after she says that it's great. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And then I think even like Roberta says something like in this little voice of like, maybe I should go over there. Like she does this like yeah. little thing. <laughs> and oh, it's yeah. It that, that moment is like, for as much as there's moments with Roberta where you're like, oh, I really sort of pity this woman or whatever, like, I ultimately, like, 
was rooting for her. Like I was, she was the one I was rooting for most was, was Roberta. Um, Not that I wasn't rooting for Susan, but she didn't really need any rooting for, you know, and, and Meryl, it's like, it's interesting. Like that, there was that, that one article on Jezebel about like somebody needs to like get Candace Bergen or Oscar already. And, and they said, you know, how Candace Bergen kind of steals the movie from Meryl Streep. And I think it's true. I think that Meryl, you know, Meryl for me, I don't know if we said like the moment she won it, but for me, like Meryl, what I, when I really did love her was that scene right before they, they leave the ship when she's out on the deck with Tyler and she says it's, you know, she admits to getting, you know, throwing away her book and, and whatnot. And oh yeah, uh, she says, it's kind of like polishing the vase when the house is falling apart. And yes, then she says that. like, you don't, you, you don't, you don't get it. You don't know what I'm talking about. And like, does that thing with her hair. And I was like, Oh, yep. like again, like, Lucas Hedges, you are like you are working with like a master here. Like this is all <laughs> oh, improv, yeah. and she's amazing. She is killing it. Like it's, uh, I just it's great. So she has those moments, but like, yeah, I think this is Candace Bergen's movie. Yeah, it's also like when was the last time that we've seen Candace Bergen in a movie that hasn't been like that? She hasn't been playing like a mean boss. Yeah, of like an Anne Hathaway type of or something, you know? Like, uh huh. Yeah, she's like the mean editor on Sex in the City, or she's the she's the you know Miss Congeniality or whatever. It's like I I love you know early in our in our best supporting podcast days. I don't remember what episode it was, but she was one of the fellow nominees for the BSA that oh, year. Yeah. And we queen. Oh, she did that, that crazy scene. The yeah, crazy scene in starting over where she's singing and she has that moment of like, like she pauses or something. And there's just this like crazy look in her eye. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just, Oh, I Candace Bergen. I mean, you know, the Weast. I think it's well understood that we love and appreciate the Weast and always will. She's mm-hmm. she's a the for for God's sake, but yes, you know, in 2020, one of my resolutions is more Candace Bergen. Yeah, bring it on. I'm I'm ready yeah. as well. Yeah. I really do. Th- I want to I want to watch that movie. I want to you know somehow right? track down Murphy Brown. I want to get into it. I had started watching Murphy Brown like a year or two ago. I was like started from the first season just to like because I never watched it when I was younger, and it was. You know, it was really good. She's great in it. I think that's that's a show to kind of have in the catalog, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, that brings us to the question that I posed earlier. Uh yes. that maybe we can before we get to our last segment that we can talk about is knowing that knowing that this has so much improv and that there are moments where these ladies are co writers of the scene, does that make you appreciate the performances more? Or does it affect how much you appreciate them? Like how do, or how does it affect how you appreciate them? Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any sort of, it doesn't take away anything from me, I guess. Like, cause I'm, I'm thinking of it through like just my personal lens. And then I'm thinking of like, why isn't this movie being talked about more? Like, why did it sort of pun intended miss the boat for mm. like Oscar season? Um, like why, you know, I wish that Candace Bergen, could be considered or maybe she'll get a golden globe nomination or whatever but i i don't know how well this movie is doing it's an hbo movie so it's just like a 
I don't know. So there's that to yeah, start out with. Right. It's like not knowing like what's the temperature gauge on this in general. Yeah. Who's yeah. this movie for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's for us, clearly. Oh, oh, <laughs> but, it was like handcrafted for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember when the trailer came out, I said, what? Yeah. I had what? to sit down. Yeah. I was Amber yeah. Portwood. What? <laughs> what? Um, But I think, I think it adds to it. I am... I don't think there's much, I mean, I, I think of um, specifically Diane Weist and like a lot of Woody Allen movies and like how much like I'm assuming they're like improv was encouraged, you know what I mean? Or at least like walk mm-hmm. around, do what you need to do. Or, like if you add something, I'm not worried about it, you know, like as long right. as it sort of makes sense with what's going on in the scene and it's great, then I like it. That, that, that's to me what I feel like how Woody Allen directs, like the, the moment it becomes stiff or you're second guessing yourself is when you know, it, you lose it a little bit too. So to mm-hmm. have like an entire movie that all three women get to do that, including uh, Gemma Chan and Lucas Hedges too, like it, it, it must have been so freeing as an actor. And it is definitely uh, like a, it's it's so fun to watch. Yeah, and especially once I I officially knew that that's actually what was going on, I was like, oh gosh, this is just it's like heaven. I I, I think that like. I can't see why someone would say, oh, well, you know, they just improvised it. If anything, I respect them more for that. Yeah. Like, to, to kind of just, like, put the pieces together themselves. And, like, for Diane Weiss to do that callback at the dinner table. Like, because they could have filmed out of sequence. Like, if mm-hmm. she remembered that moment and then put that in, like, oh, my God. Right, right. Like, that. that's kind of where I've been landing is, like, knowing that they've helped create these moments and that, and, and that yeah. these are, these are they're They have more involvement in creating these moments. I'm even more impressed there. Mm-hmm. There's like that part of me. It's weird. Cause it's like, there's a part of me that, that is so fascinated by the interpretation of a script, you know, and like how actors navigate a monologue or navigate a scene that's been written. And like, there's something about the, it's almost like actor reacting to script, you know, like watching how they take that material and like spin it into something I think is really fascinating. And like, it's, it's a different sort of process with this. And so like, I find myself wanting to evaluate it differently, but like it also negates how much improv, you know, whether it be like the example you're talking about with like a Woody Allen movie or just in general, how much improv you know, or, or unscripted stuff is a part of a performance. I mean, how often do we queen out about like, no one told her to do that, you know? And, and this is just moment after moment of potentially no one telling them to do that. And Mm. so I think it's like, I, I look at it for some reason, like I evaluate it a little bit differently, but I also think of this as like a bigger achievement, you know, or like, equally impressive like it's weird like I I don't know why I'm considering these as like different from any other performance or like that they wouldn't be equal but um it's just kind of having to like change how I watch it and instead of thinking about oh what what was the line on the script and how did you bring it to life like that it's more of like you know how did you come up with this moment you know um yeah so I I yeah I I'm impressed but like I can't say that I am evaluating it the same way I evaluate, like, you know, uh, Beatrice Strait in Network, which is a... Yeah, I was just going to say that. Right? I was just going to say that. Right? Yes, like, yes, it's yes. such a scripted, you know, example. Like, that is so scripty. And how she navigates it is what... It's part of what impresses me, you know? Yeah, because... 
I mean, going back to this movie too, there's a lot of focus on reacting and you know, you know, yeah. it's like acting is reacting, yeah, but yeah. like it really kind of helps under like all the stuff that we talked about at the very beginning, like what's not being said, like those are the best scripts that say, you're not just saying like, I'm mad at you. Like show me how this character is being mad at this person without right without saying it. And that's like what we see with Candace Bergen. And then we see with, Meryl reacting to Diane Weist, like shooting back at her and Diane Weist, um, I don't know, just talking to her son at the ca- the kitchen table mm-hmm. and just kind of being herself. Um, it's like you kind of see these like little cracks of like who these women are in real life too. Like it's so real. Yeah. That it's like, I think Candace Bergen has the most like character, like she's from Texas and she dresses like the way she does. And, mm-hmm. um, and she has like, she's kind of like this scorned woman, so to speak. Um, Roberta has like a motive, whereas Susan yeah. doesn't. And Alice, I don't What's think. What's your intention here? Yeah, yeah. Like the other two, the intentions are different or the, atten- you know, or the attention is different. And I think with Roberta, it's the most plot driven character. Certainly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And yeah. maybe that's why it was the most, compelling to watch yeah but still uh with, with with within those like parameters like i was just i was just loving everything that she was doing same i yeah i'm ready to see more candace bergen i feel like spoiled from this movie i feel like every movie everything i watch after this is going to be different i'm like well it's no let them all talk yeah first right. of all what do you think of this title we didn't talk about happiest season last week about how we hated that not hated that title but two weeks in a row movies that like I, where do we get these yeah titles i don't know because i yeah let them all talk did not i don't know what i would have called this i mean crossing is a great title i feel like because that's what ends up happening in so many ways uh but crossing over crossing yeah yeah being crossed with each other crossing you know blah 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 lives crossing blah 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 um you know no one asked me uh but uh (laughs) i don't know i i mean i know that let them all talk because i like searched i know it's like an elvis costello song but i don't think that has to do with anything so um, it sounds like a rom-com title it it's it really does. something's gotta give and yeah something like that. it's yeah. complicated, it's complicated. Let them all talk. Yeah. i mean it's like what yeah in in nancy meyer's hands this movie is very different and a lot of fun and it's yes. still called let them all talk yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know what i would have called this yeah like yeah. that's and I, I, I just feel that a lot. I, I'm one who like I feel that names matter. Oh names yeah, of movies, names of like songs. Like sometimes it, it's good, and sometimes it's not. And I wonder, like, part of me thinks that if this was a different title, that it would have got more attention. I don't know why. Like, just yeah. let them all talk. Sounds like you already know what it is before you see it. I don't know. There's something about them, like, and it's totally not, which is so sad because. I want people to see this movie. Yeah, I know. I I keep getting the vibe that it's not really like, you know, hitting people's radars or it's not really popping and like, yeah. And it, and it's, yeah, it's crazy because it's like, this is such a, like it, it does in terms of, yeah. In terms of lady casting, it really doesn't get any better than this. Yeah. These are the times I wish that lady watch was still, still going. Oh, they would have, they would have had a, Conniption they would have been this. nominated for some Lady Watch awards. Oh, I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Much. Maybe, maybe Lucas Hedges would get a Robert Osborne. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I know that Jason Powell's favorite actress is Diane Weiss. Oh, so like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just dying to know. But yeah. 
you know, one can dream. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, maybe this will summon them back. Who knows? Sure. Uh, sure. but in the meantime, we are here, uh, in their, in their place to queen out about ladies of a, of a certain age, ladies of all ages. Um, so let them all talk. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, it's funny. I was like, Oh, you know, what are we going to talk about this movie? And we like, we've been going on for a while. So, uh, it's, uh, and I bet if I watched it again, I'd find even new things to talk about, but, um, I agree. I think that's, you know, that kind of covers it. Uh, yeah. But that being said, uh, <laughs> that, of course, leaves us with our last segment of the week, BSA of the week, in which we queen out on a, uh, a, a performance or an actor or a food or a song or a thing or anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actor, actress, excuse me, in our lives this week. Uh, so what have you got? What's your BSA of the week? trying to think of which what is actually my bsa of the week i have three things well i know one of them is not the bsa of the week but i will say i think i mentioned it before too i have been listening to trixie and katya's new podcast i think there are like maybe six or seven episodes in and i just like those two bozos can really make me laugh hard mm. i it's just like it's it's they have really great guests um the one with kimchi was my favorite and I also listened to, I also went back to Sibling Rivalry as well, mm-hmm. um, fully knowing that sometimes, <laughs> like, the arguing can be too much. So I just, like, turn it off and listen to another episode of whatever. But right. um, but I've been I've been kind of revisiting that. Um, uh, of course, just, like, RuPaul's Drag Race alumni podcast. They're popping up everywhere, Colin. But, yeah. Um, the whole mom network. That's what yeah. in Alaska started. It's a whole little, yes. you know, thing. Yes. Um, so that's been bringing me a lot of joy this week. Um, I would say I I think it's too on the nose, but also like I, I wouldn't mind if you said this as well, too. But Candace Bergen is definitely a, like a strong runner up, if not probably would have been my BSA this week, just because it was so great to see her. And for all the hundreds of reasons we already listed in this yeah. podcast alone. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to say I have been. I almost said praying, um, but, you know, wishing and hoping um, for snow for the longest time. And I'm looking out my window right now. And just like today at like 1030 a.m. is when it started snowing. And I was just like in the best mood today yeah. as I was working. I It's been a while since we've had snow like this, too. And the fact that we don't have anywhere to go. Of course, not under the best of circumstances, but like the fact that we don't have to go anywhere, I would say, besides grocery shopping or whatever. But you mm. don't even have to do that. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm really thrilled. I love snow so much. I know, <laughs> I know some people hate it, and I get it. Like I'm I'm privileged in the fact that I can work from home, and I know not everyone has that luxury too. But I'm I'm just very thankful for that, and thankful to see snow. Yeah. So snow. Snow. <laughs> Mother Nature. Mother Nature. Is my BSA of the week. Oh, God bless her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you make a good point for like if we are all going to be you know, stuck at home and stuck indoors that like at least, you know, this kind of makes it, it doesn't at least give us some, stuff. yeah. Like we're used to being snowed in. So I, it, it kind of feels nice versus feeling like, ugh, I'm, I'm going crazy in here. So yeah. Or desting your car off in the morning. I mean, I know that's not oh. a New Yorker thing, but, um, Oh, but I've had years of that. You know, the yep. trouble. Yeah. Yep. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oof. I, I support that. Uh, yeah. What about you? My BSA of the week, I think is going to be, uh, specific. So I watched on Amazon Prime this movie called Uncle Frank, uh, which Uncle Frank. and it's about like a gay uncle in the seventies, and um, it's 
good. It's a, it gets kind of heavy, and it the the plot. It's sort of like oh, it's kind of it, it, basically what happens is this this guy Frank, and you know he lives in New York, and he's a professor in the seventies, and he's got this partner Waleed, and um, and then his niece Beth, like they're all from like somewhere in the south. Uh, she eventually goes to NYU. Uh, and she sort of looks up, it's all kind of from her perspective and she always looks up to Frank and, um, and then Frank's like very awful homophobic father has a heart attack and dies. And so Frank and Beth, you know, have to drive down to, you know, the funeral and they don't know about Waleed and then he ends up following and, you know, it's, it's, you know, sort of this, this coming to terms with the past and with his father and with something else that happened and coming out to his family and introducing everybody to Waleed and all that. Um, it's, there, there's some, there's some good moments. I, I didn't love it as much as I thought I would, but then, uh, there was a scene towards the end, um, in terms of BSAs, Judy Greer and Margot Martindale are in it. So, Oh, it's worth something. Say no more. Yeah. Say no more. Uh, and the, and the guy who plays uh, Waleed is his partner. Uh, I think his name is like Peter Mc Mc McAleese or something like that. Anyway, he's like it's this weird thing where like I, sometimes I feel like he's not the best actor, but he's so charming that like I don't know if I care. Like there's just he's yeah. so charming. Um, uh, but there is a scene towards the end between Frank and his mother played by Margot Martindale that I, it's so good. It like, I Ooh. guarantee that your face will explode. Like it's any gay man listening right now needs to see this scene because it's, we, you will know this scene on a molecular, molecular level. It just, I, for a movie that I wasn't like deeply, deeply invested in, I was big old tears during this scene. Oh, maybe I'll just like watch that. Yeah, like just I just like the end. Yeah, yeah, like I think you could probably like just build up to it a little bit, and that like the the choice the actor Paul Bettany plays Frank. Like, there's this choice that he makes that just like blew my mind when he first enters. But you'll uh, know exactly what it is when he first enters the room. This choice he makes. Oh, but Margot Martindale. Oh, oh. I mean, we almost talked about her this week, but. Believe it or not, I was so compelled by Let Them All Talk that I was willing to push back Lazy Susan, BSA of the Week, Lazy Susan, yeah. a couple <laughs> of weeks. Uh, yes. But, Margot, we will get more time to talk about you. I can't wait. I Who... I was thinking of Judy Greer and like who I feel like there's like some famous influencer, gay influencer that like created a T-shirt or like a like a mug that said like Judy Greer should have been the lead. Oh, God. It's just like that's, there's like this line of merch or something like that. But it's a great I uh, love line. That. It's true because yeah. she always is the best friend. And you're like in every um, movie. Yeah. I love that. There's no question of well, which movie? Every movie. Judy Greer yeah, should be Judy the lead. Judy Greer should have been the lead. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, whoever yeah, that person I can't remember is. remember who it is. It, if anyone knows who's listening, um, tweet us. Let us know. Yeah. We'd Google it, but I'd rather hear from listeners. So Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, uh, I but listeners are done hearing from us because we're getting played off. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Good. That was good. <laughs> yeah, Solid. it was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I could have made a ship reference that we're docking or something, but... Uh, oh, yes, like, yes. Uh, the I, anchor is dropped. Yeah, the I'm no Diane Weist. I can't do throwbacks, you know? So <laughs> so now that we are being played off, uh, where can folks find more of you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Nick Kochanov. 
Lovely. Well, you can, of course, hear more of me on All Right, Mary. We are actually gearing up to do season 13 after Whoa. all. And, I, and okay. potentially Drag Race UK season two. Whoa. Are they happening at the same time? Yes. Yes. The Season oh two is starting Lord. two weeks after. Uh, yeah. Of course, you can hear me on In the Details, A Celebration of Nuance. I promise this week, the last two, this week, this month, the last two chapters of Cherishing Valerie will oh, yeah. be out. Uh, I, I'm committing to that. I want to end 2020 with some Valerie. Um, and of course, you can find more of me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can get more of both of us at a, in a best supporting capacity at BSA Pod on Twitter. Yeah, or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. We want to say a very special thank you to Meryl Streep. Yes. To the Weast, to Gemma Chan, to Lucas Hedges. Even Lucas Hedges. Even Lucas yes. Hedges. And of course, a pilgrimage to Cardiff, to the convent, to the grave of Bloodwind Pugh. Oh my god, that book, just that cover alone, I was like, I will never read it. Yeah, it's not a real writer, I looked it up. That's great. Yeah. That's great, though. Yeah. But that, what a great, like, that would be fun to come up with that name. I know, right? Yeah. Um, and, of course, a huge thank you to Candace Bergen for being oh, God bless a you. queen and a BSA and, uh, you know, uh, a queen and a BSA, it bears repeating. <laughs> exactly. And Steven Soderbergh, who directed it, who I'm imagining came up with this concept along, you know, with the writer and everyone else, too. Yeah. Um, but... Yes. It's a cool new style of movie that I hope um, catches on. I would love to see more. Yeah. You know, uh, in the words of the of the Queen Mary 2, toot toot. <laughs> and that, as they say, is that. Is that.